I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now, from BetQL, it's time for The Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Good morning, everyone. It is a daily tip from BetQL presented by MGM on a Monday, November 6th. Great to have you along with us as we are live across the country from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the East. I'm Michael Jenkins. She is Chelsea Messenger. Coming up in the next three hours, we'll get into what happened last night on Sunday Night Football before recapping another fantastic weekend in the college game at 620 at 640. Even more football. We're going to settle in and talk about tonight's Monday night football matchup between the Chargers and the Jets. Then we start to switch things up at 7 o'clock. First, we cast our votes for MVP Monday. That is followed by a look at tonight's games in the NBA and a discussion of college basketball futures at 740. Season gets underway tonight. Then it is back to the NFL at 8 o'clock along with our best bets at 845. Chelsea, how are you on this Monday morning? Good morning. Just a PSA. Before we even start the show, the Bengals are still plus 750 to win the AFC. This is mind-blowing to me. We've talked about this, and I know we're going to talk about the game in a second, but mm-hmm. at what point are we going to stop sleeping on the Cincinnati Bengals? Because, listen, I could barely sleep last night, not because of the time change, just because the Bengals are still being disrespected. And also, I was a little nervous about not waking up early enough this morning. Did that mess with you at all, the time change, Jinx? Oh, it was a gift from God is what it was. That's what it was. Because Saturday, I was super stressed out about Texas, and we should have lost that game. I don't know how we won, but we did. And so I needed to sleep in on Sunday because after they did win, I thought, let's go, let's celebrate. And we did. But then I needed the extra hour to recover. Plus, who doesn't like an extra hour of sleep anyway? So, yeah, it was great. Well, you weren't worried at all about waking up and, like, your alarm being different or something? Like, that's what I'm stressed about. Like, not about the time change. It's just anything that – anytime something changes in your routine – It just makes me a little nervous. So like I woke up before my alarm this morning and I was just like staring at my phone. I was like, are we sure this is the correct time? iPhone, don't let me down here. Uh, So that's why I was stressed. Oh, I thought, well, if it's a phone, then I'm not worried about it because your phones obviously switch automatically. I would be more worried if I use like a traditional alarm clock or something to wake up where I'd be like, wait a second, I did change that, right? I know I changed that. I remember changing it. But if it's an irregular electronic device like an iPhone or like my Alexa, that is a backup. I'm like, two of those things can't be wrong. So maybe I should have been more stressed, but actually I slept well. Well, I guess that makes one of us. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. You get a great night's sleep because of the time change, but now it's over. You don't have to worry about it again for months and months and months. And Chelsea, you had to be sleeping well because you had a good week betting last week. 
Yeah, I had Chiefs on the money line against the Dolphins as my only play over the weekend. That was a winner. Got a little sweaty towards the end because the Chiefs were not holding down uh, the Dolphins in the second half, but it was still a winner. Anytime you, anytime you get Patrick Mahomes at a pick and price against basically anybody, I think mm-hmm. it is a solid bet to take Patrick Mahomes at a pick and price against basically anybody. So I did, and that was a winner. Nice job. I had that down on my best bets, and then I erased it at the last second like a real loser. I did one of those things where on Friday, and Bill was saying this before we went on, he goes, oh, I thought you had a big card. I was like, yeah, I did. I cut it down. That card would have gone undefeated, absolutely undefeated. What a nerd. That's what I get. However, we'll take it to a weekend. So had Ole Miss on the money line taken on Texas A&M, minus 148. Ole Miss a 38-35 victor. Lane three with Alabama was also a good call. They whipped up on LSU 42-28. As for the Donkster, had Rams plus three at the Packers. That was a loss because the Packers went 20-3. And then on Friday night, the Donkster had Flyers, Sabres under six and a hook. Flyers just get in under the wire. They win five to one. So that was a win for the Dodgers. So for the week, not too shabby. You went five and three. I went six and five. The Dodgers went four and four. If you're wondering, hey, what about Double D? What about the world famous, the nationally famous, the regionally famous, at the very least, the DeGen Parlay didn't come home. We had odds of 184 to one, but the Parlay goes four, three, and one, which is generally what happens with parlays, but we will give it another shot this next Friday. It is a daily tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. She's Chelsea Messenger, fully adjusted to the time change. I'm Michael Jenkins, and let's talk, Chelsea. You chopping at the bit, champing at the bit, as I should say, to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, who get a win last night over the Buffalo Bills, 24-18. Bengals were laying a point and a half. They're minus 125 on the money line. Total set at 49 and a hook the under hits joe burrow a season high 348 yards two scores t higgins eight catches a season high 110 yards in fact burrow completes passes to eight different receivers including herb smith jr and drew sample grabbing a touchdown as well trivion williams is now the running back two in the backfield burrow pressured releasing late is Drew Sample for the first down. And Sample's got a touchdown! Mike Trico with the call on NBC. And man, after a 1-3 and three start to the season, the Bengals have won four straight. They are locked into tie with the Browns and Steelers for second place in the AFC North. Each team sitting at 5-3. and three. And Chelsea, you must be big on the Bengals. And I don't blame you because they look like they are when, when you hear someone say they're in midseason form, they are in midseason form. Yeah, you could have got them 9-1 to one last week to win the AFC, and we talked about it here on the show. And now they're still hanging a plus 750 on the Bengals to win the AFC. When Joe Burrow is 100% healthy, do you think there's any team in the AFC that he doesn't have a shot at? And I know a lot of people say, well, the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't think he has a prayer against the Chiefs? He's done it before. He's beaten them at Arrowhead. So, of course, I've already got money on the Bengals to win the AFC. They don't even have to win the Super Bowl. They just got to win the AFC. Because look at the other contenders. We've kind of seen what the Dolphins do when they play good competition. They're ahead of the Bengals. They're 6-1. to mm-hmm. Then you look at the, the Bills. They're plus 850. They're just behind the Bengals. 
And listen, I feel like I've kind of been out on the Bills for a while, but last night kind of sealed it for me. I don't Mm -hmm. think the Bills are really the contenders that a lot of people thought they were going into the season. And maybe that's not even that hot of a take because I know they had some problems going into the season, had some drama with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, uh, lost a defensive coordinator. So maybe that's not a super hot take. I just, I don't know. I'm not sold on the Bills, didn't really like them in this game, and I don't really like them moving forward. It does not feel like an offense that is trustworthy enough. One minute they're scoring a touchdown first drive of the game, and then Mm -hmm. they're not scoring another touchdown until like the final minutes of the game. So uh, I'm out on the Bills and fully on the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I think I am too, which I can't believe I've been saying. Is it... Is it too dramatic to say maybe the Bills have missed their window here? Because I feel like the ASC is so intriguing this year. And look, the Bills are not a bad football team, but I certainly don't imagine them sitting here at five and four, where you know you can only you can only run your offense and have so many options as Josh Allen doing this, Josh Allen doing that, Josh Allen doing this again. He's got to get some sort of help. I don't know if it's play calling. I don't know if it's someone like Gabe Davis stepping up. He had zero catches last night. Stephon Diggs did his thing, six catches, 86 yards, a touchdown. We sort of know he's going to get his, and Josh is going to put up big stats. But as a whole, doesn't it feel like that the Bills need to be a little more nuanced and a little more creative and find ways to get other guys involved instead of looking down at a stat sheet and saying, yeah, Josh Allen did well. Yeah, Stephon Diggs did well. And that's it. Well, it's just a matter of being a complete game, too, because it wasn't just like Josh Allen's fault. There was a big fumble there by Dalton Kincaid that was very, very costly for the Bills. But it's not even a matter of playing catch up for me. Like, yes, five and four is not a good record. But right now, I'm just looking at their team. And even if they make it to the postseason, it's not a team I'm buying in on. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. we said kind of something about... The Bengals early on is like, okay, the only reason we don't believe in them is, you know, they got to start winning games or else they're not even going to make the postseason. But the thing about the Bills is even if they make the postseason, I just don't think the team is constructed well enough for me to want to buy in. It's not a matter of their record right now. It's just the potential that I am seeing. Uh, The defense has to get better. Like the offense, like I said, is just so hit or miss. And it's not a matter Mm -hmm. of spreading the ball around. It's just a matter of being able to move the chains consistently. So I don't know if it's – we saw Josh Allen actually run more last night, finish with 44 rush yards, which I thought would be the key to their offense, but maybe not. I just think it's a matter of the other teams in the AFC are just better. Yeah, I think so too, and I can't believe I'm saying that now. But if you look at the AFC, and I was talking about how interesting it is. Of course, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, but then you've got the Ravens playing lights out. They might be. You can make an argument that the Ravens are the best team in the AFC right now. And certainly the Steelers are playing above their heads. We're talking about the Bengals. Then you've got the Jets who are just hanging around. Laugh all you want. They've won three straight. They're waiting for maybe Aaron Rodgers to return. But there are a lot of different storylines. Look at the Texans, for God's sakes. C.J. Stroud lost his mind yesterday. They're only 4-4, four and four, but still playing way above expectations. So the Bills have a, a very strong chance of getting lost in the playoff mix if they don't improve sooner or later. And it's not that Josh Allen isn't great. He's fantastic. It's just that at some point, if you run everything through him, every single drive has to be through him where he has to, he has to play 
not just lights out. He has to be otherworldly, it feels like, for the Bills to win football games the majority of the time, and that's just not sustainable. Yeah, but if you say that about other quarterbacks in the AFC, like we expect Patrick Mahomes to do that, and he does, you know? So it's just, I think we put put Josh Allen on like the same tier as like Patrick Mahomes, or I feel like a lot of people do, and I just don't think it's the case. So yes, I think you're right that it shouldn't have to be all on Josh Allen, but still, like if you're one of the top teams in the NFL and if you're a Super Bowl contender, that's usually the burden of uh, being one of the top tier quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, look at the Bengals before they got Joe Burrow. Don't sit there and tell me that that team's not completely different. Everything runs through Joe Burrow, and that's just part of the deal when you are a top tier quarterback. So I get what you're saying that a lot of people maybe um, it's not warranted to say, well, this is Josh Allen's fault, but you know, like it's he's part of the problem. I don't think he is. I, I think the difference is the the one thing that differentiates Josh Allen between Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow is they don't have to run the ball. They can, but Joe Burrow isn't going to beat you with his legs. Okay, he could be a little shifty. Patrick Mahomes is a better runner than he's given credit for. But if you're the Bills' offensive staff, it's easy when you have a tool like Josh Allen to say, just go out and do everything. You don't just pass the ball. You got to be more than just a quarterback. You got to run the ball as well. And you can only do that for so long before it just becomes a situation where you've got to have some other help because Josh Allen, the way the Bills have schemed that offense and the way that they've won over the past few seasons is they don't have the luxury to say, let's just sit Josh Allen in the pocket. We're going to run him as much as we can. And that's all well and fine until the rest of your offense falls off. So maybe we're saying the same thing here. I don't think Josh Allen's in the same right now, the same tier as a Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow. But what I would say is he's also being asked to do something that those guys aren't ever asked to do. And the bills need to adjust in order to make sure they win more football games instead of saying, here, Josh, do everything. Right. Uh, There's definitely a multitude of problems, but also Josh Allen has nine picks on the season too. Uh, Something that you wouldn't say about some of those other quarterbacks, but moving forward, it's just a matter of, I don't really trust the Bills. And I think that's a fair statement after this year, right? Yeah. It's just a team that's been so hot and cold where one game they look dominant and you're like, okay, this is the Bills team that a lot of people have trusted over the past few years and they've been so close knocking on the door uh, to winning the AFC. And then it just doesn't happen. And then the next game, they're getting beat by terrible teams. So it's just, it's not a team that I want to trust or a team that I want to put my money on. No, it's fair. They have not looked great. Josh Allen now has thrown an interception, I believe, in what? Five straight game. games. So he needs to do a better – not every Almost. game, but five straight, certainly. Yeah, he five needs to do a better – need to do a better job of, of holding on to the football. And then when you're talking about the AFC, I didn't even mention the Jags are just sitting there in the AFC South. They've won five straight. So this is a this is a real interesting part of the season for the AFC because you got so many different storylines. And we'll talk about the Ravens later on. The Ravens – Lamar Jackson is quietly maybe having another MVP season, but the Ravens are one of those teams that kind of got lost maybe in the the preseason talk about who we expected to come out of the AFC. The Ravens look great. Yeah, but you're not getting much value now. They're the second favorites to win the AFC, plus 450 over at BetMGM. So I get what you're saying. I don't know. Do you think there's any truth to the narrative? And we're getting tight on time, so maybe this is not a conversation we should Mm -hmm. be starting that maybe you don't want to trust the Ravens in the postseason. So I think that's kind of the narrative with Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens that, you know, sometimes when they go against those top teams, it's a little different than facing, you know, the Jets or whoever. 
I think it's a fair point. I'll also say that when you have a guy like like John Harbaugh, who has been there before, I feel and won it all clearly, then I think he can take mm-hmm. maybe this year's group, which isn't as banged up as groups we've seen in previous years, and maybe lead them farther than you might think. We're gonna find out. Coming up next on the show. Week 10 of college football is in the books, and we've still got a wide-open chase for the national title. We're going to talk about it next on the Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Oh, double D. Welcome back to the show. The Daily Tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. She's Chelsea, I'm Jinx. Coming up in just a couple minutes, what we saw this past weekend in college football. That is the Oklahoma State fight song. And it does make me happy because I always love it when Oklahoma loses. I will also say this. I called this earlier in the year, something similar to this, and it happened in this game. The Big 12 referees are the absolute worst. And they have it out for Texas, and they have it out for Oklahoma, and we saw it in this Oklahoma State game. Am I the only one? I know Sooners fans were about to lose their minds, and I am not one to apologize for Oklahoma. But they had Drake Stoops in the end zone open, and there's an official right there. And this cat gets dragged down by his left arm. No chance of catching that pass. None. And the official is right there. Didn't even think about grabbing a flag. And I'm telling you, I have seen it. I have seen a couple games this year with Texas. There's a whole list of how many holding calls we have called against us versus the other team. I'm telling you, the Big 12 has it out for Texas and Oklahoma. And if they can influence an outcome, they're going to do it. Oklahoma State played great on Saturday. I am glad Oklahoma lost. At the same time, one thing I don't like seeing is a referee intentionally swallowing his flag and i'm telling you it's going to come back to bite texas at some point because it just bit oklahoma well is this something that would go into your handicap like do you believe in it enough for it to change a game uh because i think that's our question as betting people is conspiracies are great and this is the great thing about sports betting it's like you can always put your money where your mouth is Mm -hmm. and if you look at both of these games didn't both of the underdogs cover like, obviously, Oklahoma State did. They won outright, yeah. but that K-State line, was it four? Was Texas land four there? I believe it went off at three. It opened up K-State plus six and a half and then went down to K-State plus three by game time. So it ended up being a push, mm-hmm. but I think most betters ended up winning if you took K-State and the points. One of the most bets or biggest bets of the weekend was Kansas State on the money line. That almost came home. I'm telling you, and I don't even think it's a conspiracy theory just because it's very clear. Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Big 12, has already talked about how pissed off he is at Texas and Oklahoma. He already made that speech in front of Texas Tech fans saying, I'm cheering for you guys to beat Texas. This is the commissioner. The commissioner. So you know you know it's bad if I'm saying, hey, Oklahoma deserved that call. I never want Oklahoma to get any calls. And even I'm like, dude. You, I mean, as a, as someone who 
wants the integrity of the sport to remain intact. Like, I'm not about, yes, it's Oklahoma. Okay, I was celebrating, but also, like, dude, like, that is past interference. That is past How are you not calling it? And I've seen too many calls like that that are so obvious that I think, man, the fix is in. So we'll see if it plays out. I hope it doesn't, but it's something I would legitimately handicap at a close game. So what are the standings moving forward? I was just looking this up. Like, is this going to be a factor in the Big 12 championship game, you think? If everyone wins out as it stands right now, and of course this can change mm -hmm. week to week, Texas still playing with a backup quarterback. We're not guaranteed any victories. Our backup looked terrible over the weekend. Right now it will be Texas and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship, which will be something, especially Oklahoma State, which looked awful, just absolutely awful at the beginning of the year. And Mike Gundy, again, has done a fantastic job. So you know what? Let's just talk about college football, Chelsea. Since we're talking about it right now, let's start with Texas edging. Kansas State, the number seven Longhorns winning 33 to 30 in overtime. Line goes off Texas minus three, so we get a push. Texas minus 165 on the money line. Total set at 50. The over hits. Oh my God. Kansas State was down 27 7 in the fourth. They rally all the way back. They scored three touchdowns in two minutes and 30 seconds. It was terrible. In the overtime, Longhorns kicker Burt Auburn kicks the go-ahead field goal. Texas defense stops the Wildcats on a fourth down play in overtime after Kansas State decided instead of kicking the field goal for the tie, we'll go for the win. So the Horns lead the Big 12, looking for the first conference title since 2009. But there, this was a Texas absolutely could have, maybe should have, lost this game they end up winning but it was when you have a 20 point lead late in the third you feel like you're gonna win it mm, that was not the case I know it was very stressful but still winning this game with your quote-unquote backup quarterback I feel like it's still a win because I knew when Quinn Ewers got hurt that maybe it would be a tough stretch for you guys for Texas as I'm yeah. talking about do we know when Quinn Ewers is coming back or is he out for the year He's not out for the year. There is some thought that he could return this weekend. I think what will happen is Quinn will not play this weekend against TCU. It will be Malik again. Honestly, Arch, Arch Manning should play. Arch should play. Malik Murphy did not look good in this game. He started off hot, and then by the end, he goes 19 of 37. One touchdown, two picks. His quarterback rating was just at the bottom. He was missing. And look, I'm not, I don't want to bag on a college kid. But there were, it wasn't just, hey, your receiver has a step. I'm talking like the guy's wide open and the ball's falling right in front of him. Like, hey, this is a first down. All you got to do is get him the football. The ball drops at his feet. So at some point, you've got to try to win games. I know Arch wants to redshirt. His family wants him to redshirt. You can still play as long as you don't play with more than four games. You can still redshirt. I feel like he would be a step up against TCU. Maybe they play Arch. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I would not feel comfortable with Malik Murphy. But Quinn Ewers should be back in a couple of weeks. Fingers crossed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think that was my point, is that if you guys can continue to at least just win games with Malik Murphy, I do think it is a sign 
that if you're winning games with subpar subpar quarterback play, imagine what this team will be like when you get a good quarterback back in the fold. Like, does that give you any confidence moving forward that they're winning some of these tight games despite not having a great quarterback at the helm? It does. The only issue is Texas needs to win out. Texas still has an outside shot at the yeah. national title, but they need to win out and certainly need to win out to win the conference championship. They lose a game. They they don't have any margin for error. So even though the schedule is not that difficult moving forward, Murphy on his own through he could have thrown five picks in this game. Two were dropped. He threw two himself. So Again, it's not all at his feet, but there must be better quarterback play moving forward. And that's just it. The margin of error, very, very thin. What about number one, Georgia? Down in Athens, taking care of Missouri, 30 to 21. Missouri plus 14 and a half. Georgia minus 650 on the money line. Total set at 54. The under hits. The dogs down 13-10 midway through the third in this one. <laughs> Bell in motion. This is Milton! This is a touchdown, Georgia! Call courtesy of CBS, Kendall Milton. A 15-yard run for the score. Carson Beck, 21 of 32, 254 yards, two touchdowns. Nazir Stackhouse, a critical fourth-quarter interception when the Bulldogs were up by only six. Head coach Kirby Smart called it the play of the game. And the dogs just keep doing what the dogs do. They've won 23 straight, Chelsea. Yeah, they didn't cover, though, and they didn't get the over <laughs> for me. I needed four more points from Ooh. Georgia in this one because my handicap was their defense isn't nearly as tough as it was in years past, and they did give up 21 points. However, I needed 55 from them. But anyways, I think uh, the narrative is back that Georgia is the best team in college football, at least according to the AP writers. We have the new AP poll, and Georgia is standing atop the rankings. Jace, do you agree with that, that Georgia is the best team in college football? It feels like a year where there's a lot of parity. Like, maybe not beyond, like, yeah. the top eight, but it doesn't feel like Georgia is head and shoulders above, like, you know, the next three teams. I agree. I, I have said this for a few weeks. I think Michigan is the number one team in football. They look like the most complete team in college football because their offense is efficient, but their it's their defense. The Michigan defense is so so talented their offense doesn't have to be explosive to win games because they just they just dominate you on that defensive line just across the board so despite the whole cheating scandal that's a whole different different topic and i know double d saying the chat they haven't played anybody yet which is fair but right now they look really really good well we were talking about that Oklahoma State game. Let's get to it. Number 22, Ohio State. Topping number nine, Oklahoma, 27-24. Oklahoma State was getting six. Chelsea, you were on that. Oklahoma State plus 190 on the money line. Total set at 62. The under hits. And the Cowboys riding their hoss, Ollie Gordon. Short penalty on this drive by OU. Gordon. Ends up. Oklahoma State wins it. Call courtesy of ABC. Did you hear that that play call right before the touchdown call? Fourth penalty on Oklahoma this drive. Yeah, I'm telling you, the conspiracy is real. Regardless, Gordon carries the ball 33 times for 137 yards, two touchdowns. Quarterback Allen Bowman throws for 334 yards while rushing for a score as well. And I mentioned that that play by well, the play by the referees, a non-call on Drake Stoops, dragged to the ground right in front of an official in the end zone. Regardless. Mike Gundy gets his 100th career win in conference. 
joining only two other coaches who have ever done that. Bill Snyder and Bob Snoops. Stoops, I should say, and the Cowboys win the final bedlam battle before Oklahoma moves to the SEC. This was one of the big real talking points and, and a legitimate one that Oklahoma is moving to the SEC, so now we don't get bedlam anymore. And Oklahoma has dominated this series, but now Oklahoma State can say, yeah, but we won the last one. We won the last one. So that's got, that's got to stick in the craw of all Sooners fans. Oh, I'm sure. But Oklahoma State, in the meantime, has been great for betters. They have won four straight games outright as underdogs. So when I saw them getting six points in a rivalry matchup where they've been fantastic in this situation, it wasn't even a matchup play. It wasn't anything yeah. to do with the X's and O's. It was just situationally speaking. It felt like Oklahoma State had been undervalued in the market, and that's what you can contrive out of those three straight outright wins as underdogs coming into this matchup. Like you said, Ollie Gordon was fantastic in this one. He's really hit his stride in his last few games. Uh, he now has eight touchdowns over his last three games. It just felt like Oklahoma couldn't really stop him here, even though 137 yards seems like an off night for him or an off day for him because he had at yeah. least 200 in each of the last two. But still, when you can't stop the run, usually that is not a great sign in any level of football. Yeah, Oklahoma State has been a covering machine. You were talking about that. And it's interesting if, if you look at how they played early in the season. I mean, they looked so terrible. But Mike Gundy for a long time, has been one of the best coaches in college football. It is so difficult to win in Stillwater, especially when you're right there in the shadow of Oklahoma. You're constantly having to recruit against those guys. They're right there in your backyard, and, and whether you like it or not, you know you're always going to play second fiddle to them. To win on a consistent basis like Mike Gundy has done is a real credit to who he is as a head coach, and that's why he made conference history over the weekend. How about Bama in the SEC taking care of number 14 LSU, 42-28. Bama laying three. They were minus 165 on the money line at BetMGM. Total set at 61, the overhits. This was the Jalen Milrow show. 20 carries, 155 yards, four touchdowns on the ground, passes for another 219 in the air. Jace McClellan also adds 63 yards in the score. Tied, now 6-0 in the SEC. They've won seven straight after that lone loss to Texas. And you know what? We sort of slept on the tide earlier this year after they lost to the Longhorns. Everyone was saying, oh, Nick Saban doesn't know what he's doing. It's over now. Bama has a real path to the college football playoff and the national title as well. It also feels like they're peaking at the right time. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing about college football. It does not matter how a team looks in September or, you know, when they're benching their quarterback. Remember when they benched Jalen Milrow? I don't know if they, like, oh. called it an outright benching, but they were doing something there, uh, maybe with the mental mindset of Jalen Milrow there. Uh, but it looked great in this one. This was a really fun game to watch. Every time either quarterback was going, my husband would be like, is this on fast forward? Oh my God, their legs yeah. are moving so fast. Both of these quarterbacks are lightning quick, and it was so fun to watch. But we talked about this game. Both of us liked Alabama for the reason mm -hmm. that their defense is a touch better than LSU's. And LSU's defense has not been good over the course of the season. We knew that would be the problem in this one, and it certainly was. Uh, they could not keep it close uh, with Alabama at home. I think Alabama has done a great job of recognizing who Jalen Milrow is. And they didn't necessarily mm -hmm. try to make him a pocket passer early on. Maybe that's too much of, a, of an exaggeration. But they realized, hey, this guy can run the ball. So 
Maybe we won't be run first, but let's have some design runs. Let Jalen Milrow take off and take advantage of his biggest athletic strength. So at times he struggled. Now he looks like he is running on all cylinders. And then conversely, you've got Jaden Daniels. He was awesome for LSU, but left with a head injury in the fourth. So I believe they'll check and see whether or not he has a concussion. But before that, Chelsea, he passed for 219 yards. He had another 163 yards on the ground. So when you talk about those guys moving, he was one of them. Yeah, they couldn't stop him running either. So yeah. it would it looked like a game that was going to end in like, you know, 120 points. Uh, but tough luck for LSU there. But moving forward, I don't know. Alabama certainly has a chance to win the mm -hmm. SEC. We both said Georgia is not unbeatable. And we have some great top 25 matchups this week. Number two, Michigan at number nine, Penn State. Number 13, Utah. Number five, Washington. Number 10, Ole Miss. Number one, Georgia. And number 14, Tennessee. And number 16, Missouri. Coming up, the Chargers have a lot of work to do to make the NFL playoffs. It starts tonight in the Meadowlands. That is on the Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. We come back. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back on Monday. The Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Great to have you along with us. She is Chelsea. I'm Jenks. The Zach Wilson experience continues at the Meadowlands. We're talking Monday Night Football in just a bit. Chelsea, I wanted to get your opinion on this because I thought, Oh, Chelsea will definitely have an opinion. So apparently this is a thing in the UK right now, but I can absolutely see this. In fact, I think this is becoming a thing in the United States where gyms are now cracking down on people who are filming themselves while they're exercising for two reasons. Number one, you're trying to maneuver around a gym and it's hard enough to do without equipment being everywhere. Like, oh, I'm going to put my phone on a tripod. I'm going to shoot this. I'm going to shoot that. And then number two, there are a lot of people we don't care to be on video. I don't want to be on someone's video if I'm at the gym. Like, I don't want to be in the background running. I don't want to be lifting anything. That's kind of my own business. But I can see this becoming a real problem for someone who spends a lot of time at the gym. I don't, not surprisingly. I tend to work out more at home. But if you're at the gym and someone's constantly filming themselves and maybe putting you in it, I would have a problem with it. I think the main thing is people are waiting for squat racks. Like at most gyms, there are only a few squat racks and, you know, you can only do certain things on a certain right. rack. So if somebody's waiting for a rack and you're over there fiddling with your tripod and doing multiple takes and flexing and posing mm -hmm. and somebody's just sitting waiting in line to go on the squat rack, that's when it's a problem. Like, I guess it's not a problem if you're like over mm -hmm. in the corner, like filming yourself doing like sit ups or whatever, and nobody's in the background. Just have some common sense. You're right. Not everybody wants to be on camera. And number two, for God's sakes, don't make other people wait while you are setting up your production team yes. for your session to show like all 15 of your followers. So like, I think it, a lot of things go into it, but you're right. Like it feels like you can't go anywhere these days without somebody filming something. I was at dinner on Saturday and okay. there was this team of softball players who were probably in high school. And they were filming TikToks right in front of our table. So I'm literally eating and they're doing like TikTok dances. I'm like, I don't want to be in the background of somebody's TikTok 
while I'm eating. Like, is this not yeah. something that is like everybody's thinking? I don't get it. Kids these days have no shame. Well, and then you run that possibility where knowing me, this would happen where I'm eating wings or something that's a little messy in the background. And then someone's filming a TikTok and then I've got like blue cheese dressing on my face or buffalo sauce on my face. And then everyone starts making fun of me and I didn't even intend to be in the video. That's what would happen to me. That or you can't be showing people's kids. Like as a mom, that's what I worry about too. Is like people will film your children without your like permission. Like I yeah. don't want my kid broadcasted all over your page, especially for people who are like famous because, you know, people will start to make fun of them. And I didn't ask for that. So it's just, it, there's a lot of factors that I think people do not consider when they are filming all of these things in public. Like most of the time it's not a problem, but yeah. you know, it could be. And I'm sure that there's already been cases of this where people get mad uh but yeah like just you know do a quick glance over make sure nobody's in your shot it's not that hard well and i also think too there's a limit here where it's you know it's have some common sense and have some common courtesy which is all right if you want to shoot something all right fine i get it this is the age we live in. let's make it quick let's be aware of our surroundings but let's not spend the next 10 15 minutes like taking over this space and having zero disregard for other patrons in the restaurant and just like filming whatever. And that's when I, when I feel like, look, I didn't come here for whatever this is. Right. Even though at that point it's like on the parents. Cause this, if this is kids doing it, like they don't know any better. Like this right. is what this world has taught them. So at that point it is on the adults to be like, Hey, that family does not want to be on your TikTok, sweetie. So maybe just do it <laughs> over in this corner. Yes, let's do what normal adults do, which is put some money on NFL football games like real mature humans. And we've got a good Monday night football matchup tonight. Maybe, we hope. Chargers at the Jets. Chargers laying three and a half points. Chargers minus 185 on the money line at MGM. The Jets are plus 150 on the money line. Your total set at 39 and a half. Tulsa, I will defer to you here. What is your initial lean on this game? Oh, you missed a good segue there. The social media quarterback, uh, Justin Herbert, playing in this one. Have you heard that oh. nickname for Justin Herbert, that he's the quote-unquote social media quarterback? Because you look at the game film, and there are so many analysts that are like, oh, my God, Justin Herbert's out of this world. And if you've watched him play, like, he's a good quarterback. He just happens to play on the Chargers, which is kind of tough luck on his end. Yeah. But they call him the social media quarterback because he has all these great highlight-worthy plays, but it's not translating for some reason or another. I think a lot of it has to do with the team he's on, but just wondered if you had heard that nickname and if you think it's fair. I honestly, I did not know that nickname existed. This is maybe where I'm out of the loop there. He certainly has the look to be a social media quarterback. Do you know what I mean? Justin Herbert with the long mm -hmm. locks and he's out in LA. So he's on the West coast and everything sort of fits into that narrative. I think it's probably something that takes away from how talented of an NFL player he is. Certainly if you have a nickname or a moniker attached to you, you want it to have something to do with your level of play. And he's one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Or certainly when you talk, please do not. Oh, he's not Patrick. Mahomes. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying when you talk about, very very good nfl quarterbacks justin herbert is in that conversation easy so do you want to be known for social media 
Well, I think it's a little unfair because the name's a little misleading because Justin Herbert is not loud on social media. Like, right. this is a case of it not being his fault. He can't control those analysts and all those people who are dissecting his film because he's not doing TikTok dances. He's, mm. like, notoriously shy and always is going away from the camera. So I think when you hear social media quarterback, you think of, like, the quarterback version of, like, Juju Smith-Schuster. And it's not really the case. I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought it was an interesting tangent to him. Not, you know, it's not his fault. It's other people who are doing this to him. But let's get back to this game because I know a lot of people want to bet on it. Uh, Jinx, for me, I don't think I'm picking a side here. For one, I'm a little nervous to go against the Jets. They've won, what, three straight games? And despite not having Aaron Rodgers at the helm, it's been this defense that really keeps the Jets in it just about every single game. And you look at the Chargers, if there's any ever a spot for Zach Wilson to have a solid game, it's against this Chargers secondary who is giving up the most pass yards to opposing quarterbacks of any team in the NFL. So I'm kind of split on what side I should take, especially when it's a long trip for the Chargers all the way to New York for this one. This one uh, is at the Jets here. Do you have a, a play on the side here? I like the Jets. I don't know if I'm going to play it or not, but I'm kind of <laughs> like you. you I'm, yeah, I like the Jets, <laughs> I think. I'm not sure. They have one three straight. And I, when you mentioned the Chargers coming across the country, I think it's a real part of the handicap. It's never easy making that adjustment. But ultimately, I, I want to know what the motivation is for the Chargers here. You're coming all the way across the country. You're already out of the AFC playoff race as it stands. You're out of the division race. And how do I think this game will go? Well, the total tells you it should be a low-scoring ball game, right? Yesterday it was at 40. Now the total sits at 39 and a hook. And if you can get the hook with the Jets, I'd take it. I think if you're the Jets, you're going to keep winning games the same way, which is let's put the ball in Brees Hall's hands. Let's hand the football off. Let's make sure Zach Wilson has a – third and manageable, not ask him to do too much, and then let's clamp down on defense. And I think they can do it. I think they can win that way. And also, when you look at the Chargers, Chelsea, how good are the Chargers? I mean, really, even at three and four. The record tells you they're not that good, but they have one win over Tyson Bajan and the Bears. They beat the Raiders when they started Aiden O'Connell under Josh McDaniels. That was a completely different football team and a bad football team. And then they beat the Vikings earlier this year with Kirk Cousins, and the Vikings aren't that good to begin with. So I don't see a ton of impressive performances on the Chargers' ledger, which makes me think when they have to go to the Meadowlands and play this defense, I think three and a half is too many points. So I'm going to be on the Jets. Yeah, it feels like a Chargers team that can put up a ton of yards, but when it comes to actual wins, that's when I don't want to trust them. So you're telling me I need to lay three and a half with this team that famously plays a ton of close games. I think like – Something like 18 of their last 22 games have been decided by like less than a touchdown. So no, thank you, please. I think the plays in this game that I really want to look at is on the Jets side of the ball. I'll be looking at a couple of receiving props for Brees Hall, a really low number here, over 17 and a half receiving yards for Brees Hall, who has been heavily involved in the receiving game. Over the last couple of games, finished with 76 receiving yards last game, 54 game before, and also getting a ton of those targets. So I think I'll go Mm -hmm. over that low number for him. And also looking at Garrett Wilson, who we knew was a wide receiver one coming into the season, but then we didn't get to see him 
paired with uh, Aaron Rodgers. So that was a real bummer. But he's gone over, uh, I believe, 100 receiving yards or at least over 90 receiving yards in three of the last four games. I think that's what you play here, especially against this Chargers secondary that's been really bad against yeah. opposing passing games. So I think there's going to be some big plays there uh, for Garrett Wilson. I misspoke. He got, he's gone over at least 60 yards in uh, three of the last four games, but you're getting a 66 on him tonight. I'll hit the over there. Nice. I'm going to go. This will probably be my best bet of the day. I'm going to go Austin Eckler over 30 and a half receiving yards. And you can still find that if you look for that number, not right now at BetMGM, and it's juiced to the over minus 125. Now, the Jets do have one of the best defenses in the league, passing defenses. So how do you mitigate that? How do you get around that? Well, you throw it out in the flat. Short pass to Austin Eckler. Let him do his thing. He's hit this number in three of four games this season. And you got to remember the Chargers injury situation. Mike Williams is out. So I think this is good value on Eckler. I would rather play a prop here than I would a side or maybe a total. I do like the under as well at 39 and a hook. It continues to go down, but I'm going to go Austin Eckler over 30 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, I like all of those. I, I might play all of them because Austin Eckler is somebody it feels like you can count on to get those receiving yards, especially mm -hmm. against the good defenses. That's when you do the short dumpy passes and even not against good defenses. He is such a stalwart of that offense that he's going to yeah. be heavily involved in somewhat. I'm wondering what his anytime touchdown is. I feel like it's got to be juicy. It's minus 125. In a really? low total game, would you play that? Yeah, I would. Just because it's a good price, right? And you know that mm -hmm. if the Chargers are going to score, they're going to find a way to get it to him because either it's going to be him catching a short pass or getting a handoff. That's a great price for an anytime touchdown. I like that quite a bit. Coming up next year on the show, find out who won the weekend when we look back at what happened in the past couple of days and play MVP Monday. She is Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM in Hour 2 today. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.